0: be uh, studying that this morning together. Uh, And if you would um, bow with me, uh, we will pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom that comes to us. Um, We pray that we would be reminded today that the spirit illuminates us. He is actively working to help us understand and to, to, to grasp the wonderful truths that you have. Pray that you would just um, make us sensitive today. And open to the direction that you um, are leading us. In Christ's name, amen. Can you think of a time when the sorrow that you were experiencing was so overwhelming. That you could not hear um, or see what people were trying to tell you. Maybe you've had moments like that where um, I've heard people say before, I didn't hear anything. After that like initial shock of, of somebody making a statement to me like everything else was was lost. I, I just could not hear anything else. Uh, sometimes when you lose someone, there is that level of shock that just comes. And, and really you say everything after that's a blur. And it's just kind of the nature of things and something that we face oftentimes. Um, it is difficult, I think, in the moment for these disciples to see anything other than all of the the things that are going on, that it's hard for them to kind of move beyond that in the moment. And, and, and I think the reason why uh, is because they had kind of had in their minds a lot of different things kind of surrounding Jesus. They had seen his popularity grow, they had seen him uh, go from like this growing popularity to a loss kind of uh, uh, of people following him to hatred to now people wanting to kill him. All this stuff had kind of gone on. Uh, I want you to think about it, though, for a moment. Uh, if you were just thinking about living in the story, uh, if you grew up um, around a people who were talking And maybe your grandparents and parents were talking about uh, the situation that that you found yourself in. Maybe you're living in a a country where you had been overtaken by a ruler that was hostile and merciless. So as a child, you're growing up in that environment and you're hearing these people, the elders and older people around you, talk about the fact that one day everything was going to be fixed one day there'd be a king that would come. One day when he came, uh, he would be generous and he would um, serve people and he would love the people and, and he would be powerful and he would overcome all of their enemies and they would live in this blessed place one day. And as a kid, maybe you thought, well, I don't know if those are just old stories. Like they just, parents and grandparents, they're kind of rehashing history and maybe talking about something someone said but I don't you know it whether I don't know what will that happen well then you get to be like a I don't know in high school kind of age 20 years old ish and uh, someone comes on the scenes and you begin to think that dream that they talked about that may be a reality and people start following this person and when he speaks and when he acts, you're like, this is something that's never, man can't even do that. It's something just astonishing. I don't even know, I mean, how how can he be that way in his compassion and generosity and kindness and all that stuff? You're like, this this is like otherworldly. I can't even understand it. Well, then one day he comes to you and says, hey, why don't you come and follow me? And you begin to follow him and and after a time, like you, you see him not only publicly, but you see him privately. And everything about his words and his works say, this is what they were talking about. I just didn't, couldn't imagine it, but this is what they were talking about. Well, then after three years of hanging out with him and spending time with him, he says, I'm about to leave. And um, I'm going to leave you. And you won't be alone, but I, I'm going to leave you. And uh, you know what's about to, looks like, about to take place. He's going to die. And you're kind of thinking like, what in the world? I, I don't even know what to do with all this stuff. I think if you kind of think of it that way, you can stop and think, and it'd be tough the disciples are facing. If they couldn't see with with spiritual eyes beyond what was going on, you can imagine the struggle and the grief and the despair that they would face. that. They had been through all different types of things and now they're facing this reality and it's, it is very, very difficult. Um, we remember today when we're looking at this, we're kind of in what people call the farewell discourse or Jesus' farewell teaching to his disciples. Uh, he's been talking about that in chapter 14. He said he was the way, the truth and the life. He promises the spirit. Uh, reminds them that, that he will teach them all things. In chapter 15, he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches, and, and the Father is, is is working in all of this, and, and you're going to go through pruning, but I'm going to grow you up and lead you and direct you. Uh, as you get to the end of 15, he says, listen, the world's going to be filled with trouble. You're going to face great trouble if you follow me. As you get to, um, and, and really even into the first part of chapter 16, you just see the hostility of the world. But today, as we're looking at this, and I think it's just important just to note it, as we're looking at it today, uh, we're going to see that although the disciples are filled with sorrow over Jesus leaving, Jesus says their sorrow will, t- will turn to joy. And uh, they will experience the ministry of the Spirit, and they'll know what it means that Jesus is the overcomer of the world. So all that's going on, but you just kind of have to keep in your mind, like, what this would be like. The difficulties that they're facing Really, and even considering your own story as you're walking through this life and how you face those kinds of things where you're so shocked, your despair kind of like keeps you from seeing the glorious wonders that God has promised for us. So hopefully you'll see those today. Maybe you might be in a place of despair. Maybe you might be looking at things going, man, I just don't see what God is doing or how this is going to work out. And you just, you've got to kind of be lifted above that. And, and um, we're going to see how that's possible. So let's look at verses uh, 4 through 15. The disciples are filled with sorrow over Jesus leaving, but he promises to send the Spirit. So here we go. Verse 4b, uh, really. I did not say these things to you from the beginning... Because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me where are you going, but because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is your for your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus had taught them so many different things, and at the very end he's kind of waited to tell them a few things here. He's been communicating really over and over, I've been sent from the Father, but now he's going to return to the Father, and he is kind of helping them understand that. Now, they can't look past their fear and sorrow. I mean, that that's kind of, I think, the issue here. They're so, it so grips their hearts that they can't think beyond what is taking place in the moment. Again, we feel that, we understand that, we've been there, At some level, maybe not at this level, but we've been there at some level. Um, So here's kind of the question is, why is it that they will be blessed in Jesus leaving? He says it'll be to your advantage. It's going to be for your advantage that I go away. Certainly, one aspect is right there, the cross. Like, Jesus is going to die for them. He's going to endure the cross For the disciples, they are going to really, instead of enduring the wrath of God, he will. So, I mean, one advantage certainly is that we understand that, that that they are going to experience the blessing of what you might call justification. I can be declared right because the perfect one became a sin for us so that we might be uh, the righteousness of God, that we might experience that. So so at one level, you would see that. Now, another aspect is this, is is that when Jesus leaves, he's going to send, which is focused on here, the helper, the Holy Spirit. They would experience the presence of God with them. This is going to change everything. We're going to talk about that as we go through this, but this is going to radically change what's taking place in their life. The Spirit of God dwelling with them Far exceeds what they have experienced so far. And that, that's hard for them to see. We're talking in the discussion group. People are saying, yeah, but if Jesus was right beside us. Now Jesus is saying to them, it is to your advantage that I'm not going to stay right beside you. It's going to be greater than what you can imagine. Now, so what's the spirit going to do? This helper, what is he going to do? Uh, first, it says, the spirit convicts the world. Um, and although that's not said, and I think it's important just for you to know. He is going to use the apostles teaching to convict the world. I mean, the spirit is going to work through the word. These guys are going to go and proclaim this message to throughout the world. Jesus is going to go say to them, go into all all the world preaching this gospel. And so there's something here when you see this. I think it's just important that this is um, this is like talking about the ministry that they're going to have. When you think about the book of Acts, some people, when they talk about it, they, 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 they want to, I mean, they may not say this uh, well or whatever, but it's it's the Holy Spirit working through the church to take the gospel throughout the world, to build the church, you might say. He's, he's, he's doing that. So I think we see three things here, of course, very easily. for It's easy for you to see this. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So let's look at those and and again uh, see that now not everybody's going to respond like in the right way. Not everybody that hears the message is going to respond in a way where they're like. Oh this is great. I love it. I want it. I'm, I'm going to receive it. But some will. And we, we, you kind of see that again in the book of Acts. You'll see that unfold before you. Now what, what do we see here? He convicts the world concerning sin because they do not believe in Jesus. The idea there, I really believe this, is when the gospel is preached. The, the great sin that, that can be committed there is to reject it. Like, I think at the heart of that, they, they th- is not believing. That, that's the, the great sin. So he's going to convict them of, of, of not just sin, but, but the sin of rejection. Um, and, and again, you'll see that in the book of Acts where you say that you rejected him. But now I'm coming to you again. Accept this message. So they're going to go out, proclaim this gospel throughout the ends of the earth and people there will be people who will believe in this message you might even could say and very important for us to even see this why did john write this gospel so that people would be convinced that jesus was the christ the son of the living god and in believing in him they may have eternal life so that they would not sin in rejecting but rather accept and experience blessing I think, I think that's kind of what we would see. Now, the second thing, he convicts the world concerning righteousness because Jesus was going to the Father and they would see him no longer. This is a little bit more difficult. You might look at this and go, eh, what are we talking about? Jesus was crucified because sinful men believed that they were right in condemning Jesus to death because they believed he was a blasphemer. They believed he was declaring himself to be God, but he was not God. And so in a way you could say the resurrection proved that God was saying Jesus was in the right and you were in the wrong. The resurrection that they would go and proclaim around the world was saying Jesus was right, you were wrong. And so it's one of those things where I think it's very important that we see that uh, he, had, all he had said about that he had been sent by the Father to come and save, now the Father said, that's what he came to do. I've raised him and now I'm, I'm sending him up. He's, or he's ascending into heaven to be with the Father. And so as the Spirit comes using people to proclaim this message of the gospel, he's going to con- convict them to say, listen, you had better believe this message. They're, they're going to be convicted about the fact that they had been, you could say, um, at least in this first generation, there were people actively involved in saying, like, this blasphemer needs to be uh, he needs to be punished to death, and Jesus is is really proven to be right in what he was doing, and therefore it convicts them of the that he is the righteous one, not them. Third, he convicts the world concerning judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, this is another one of those like. Mm, like what do you do with this how do you understand this this takes us to me really quickly back to the book of revelation y'all may i mean this may have been one of those things what's interesting revelation chapter 12 is a big thing to me and i've thought about it a lot and some of you might have been like i don't even i never that chapter didn't really stand out to me but in chapter 12 there this great dragon is thrown down chapter 12 verse 9 The great dragon was thrown down, the ancient servant who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of Christ have come for the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down. who accuses them day and night before God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. So uh, I think in this passage, it speaks of like there is going to be, in this proclamation, you are saying Jesus has defeated all of our enemies. And so, and, the, and, 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 and you might say, well, how do you know that? Well, by by the, the advancement of this testimony that's going forth, it's, it's kind of on display that he has been victorious over all of our enemies. Enemies. He has defeated the most, uh, what, what really kind of culminates in when he defeated death, it shows that sin and the powers of evil or whatever were defeated. And I think here it's on display before the people as they say, he has been raised from the dead. And therefore, the accuser, the one who has brought all of this trouble upon uh, the people of God, he has been defeated. He may be out there raging, but he has no real power so one thing I think you see here the helper is coming and the helper is going to empower them to go out with this message and it's going to bring about this glorious kind of fruitful uh, thing of 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 bringing people in to uh, the fold uh, of bringing people to Christ and so that's one thing that they're going to see that they're going to uh, it, there's a courage that's going to come and an ability to go out and proclaim this message that they did not have before and they are going to be on this wonderful journey of seeing that on display now just want you to see this real quick and i want you to think about it in the book of acts on the day of pentecost in acts chapter 2 uh, we're, we're, we're not going to read a lot of that i just want you to think about it just for a moment um, Peter addresses the sin of rejecting Christ. He says, you by the hand of lawless men crucified and killed him. This is Jesus whom you crucified. With regard to righteousness, he says, uh, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved by God. With regard to judgment, uh, the judgment of those hostile to Christ, he says, sit thou on my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool. Save yourselves, you crooked generation. So it's all of those things. Peter's going to pick those up in his sermon uh, to them in that first in Acts chapter two. And it really leads to people being pricked in their heart, asking the question, uh, how can I be saved then? This is the case. How can I be saved? Um, And and it says that there were those three thousand souls that came to faith that day Now, I just think it's just important to understand it, to see that. Now, also, we see that the Spirit comes. Not only is the Spirit working in in, in and through the disciples to go and proclaim this message, and they're going to be on this journey of seeing people come to God, But also, and even like seeing people reject Him, but also we see that the Spirit teaches the disciples, and this is a very intimate thing, verses 12 through 15. I still have many other things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will speak not on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak. And He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is Mine. Therefore, I said... Uh, that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. What's he saying? The Spirit's role is to take the truth and, and, and help you understand it. There are truths that it's, the Spirit's going to remind them of. There are truths that Jesus is going to, by the Spirit, open their minds to. That they're going to be able to understand and grasp that they may have not understood before. He was not able to like give that to them before because they were not able to receive it. But you see here the concert of like the Father, the Son, and the Spirit working together to open the eyes of the disciples to help them see and understand and grasp these marvelous things. What you'll see too is like, I, I think of Peter. Peter had this revelation even after, I believe jesus under directing or sending of the spirit opening his eyes to see the fact that the gentiles were let in was a vision that he saw paul uh christ uh, comes to him i would say by the spirit uh, he, allowing him to understand things that that would be beneficial uh, for the church paul was taught all alone by himself and so we see the spirit's Work You see, even in John's life, the revelation, the spirit uh, he carries him up. He's carried up by the spirit and he's able to see things that are to come and understand things. And so the spirit is working uh, with the apostles to help them get this body of teaching that you and I have before us today to, to understand it. I mean, all along the way, you look at them, you go, man, they don't understand. And, 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 the, and the gospels are like, Uh, writers are not like hiding that they're they're saying like these guys they're just not getting it and so what you'll see though is when the spirit comes the they will they'll have the courage to go out and the ability to understand and the knowledge to go out and proclaim this message I mean this is something that's very powerful and I think sometimes uh, we discount what we have and maybe sometimes you will hear people say i just don't I had a guy that's been oh my goodness he's been studying the bible sat under good teachers for like probably a decade now and he's like i just don't know what you know I, i'm not sure what to do or how you're like oh my goodness go do something man like what are you talking about what do you mean you can't go and share with somebody the basic doctrines of the the bible or even like just share the gospel or, or some, you know, people say, "I just really want a way to get to do that." Like, well, then go do it. The disciples were sent out, empowered by the Spirit, given understanding, illumination, and and they were like able to go and take that message. These were normal men going out into the world and proclaiming that message. If you if you want to go and do that, then do it. It's, it's not, and you should want to, should be something we long to do, but, but that he's just showing them like your, your understanding, your ability, your empowerment is now coming. It's a wonderful thing that's on display before us, but they are so blinded by their fear, anxiety over all the things that are taking place. By the way, one other thing just I thought, I read this week, I thought it was interesting. The spirit doesn't have pet doctrines. He guides them into all truth. People will get excited about a certain doctrine. And that's all they'll think about. That's all they'll talk about. Everything. They put these glasses on. And they're looking at every passage through this lens. That that's all they're. They're not seeing the whole picture. Spirit, if he's guiding you, he's, he's revealing the fullness of of the revelation that God has for us. And he has done that through the New Testament. No, no doubt of that. So we study that. And we should study it understanding that, that we want to see the full picture. We want to see it on display. We want to understand it with clarity. And it's there for us to grasp. I think we have to be careful not to, to, to miss that. So the disciples are filled with sorrow. Jesus says the Spirit's coming. We're going to get into more of that and what that means. But I just think that's important for you to see. The disciples here, their sorrow will turn to joy is another thing that you see really in verses 16 through 24. Jesus says to his disciples, they will not see him any longer. This refers to, I I really, there was some discussion of this and I think it's important that we think about it. their, Their sorrow is really great here, but when... But, but then there will be a time where there will be joy that will just be overwhelming that. Paul, You know, when Paul spoke of like this light and momentary trouble has nothing to compare to the glory that's to be revealed. It, what he was saying is, and I think it's here, it's like your sorrow will be overcome by a greater joy that it, it will make you almost forget the sorrow at some level. I mean, you could remember it, but as a distant memory... Because the, the wonder of, of the glory is so much greater that, that the sorrow begins to fade away. Well, here's the thing, and I, I think it's just something you've got to think about. So, when does their sorrow turn to joy? I mean, are, are we talking about Jesus said, I'm going to be gone for a little while, then I'm going to come back. And well, what's he talking about there? Um, is he talking about he'll be crucified, then resurrected, and they'll see him? But then you kind of say, well, in the context, it seems like he's talking about going to the Father and being gone for a long time. Uh, Is he talking about, well, uh, then the Spirit will come and and he returns by the Spirit? And there's where the joy is found. Is he talking about the second coming when he returns? I mean, what what are we dealing with here? Uh, One author said it this way, Calvary has no meaning apart from Easter and Easter has no value apart from Pentecost. Of course, when the Spirit comes which in turn points forward to the coming of the last day. I see it as a whole package deal. Another way I read about this, and I thought it was helpful for us just to kind of think about it, is... um, Well, I don't even know if I can find it here now. But I I think it's important that we understand that. I think you kind of see the full orb picture here. The joy that is coming as a result of the crucifixion, resurrection, and and Christ being victorious over all, the sending of the Spirit, the the return one day. All those things, uh, I think there's like some immediate joy when they know He's raised. Greater joy when the Spirit... Uh, falls upon them and they're able to see and understand an even greater joy certainly as the second coming takes place now we have this illustration jesus uses of a mother uh, that is giving birth to a child but after the child is born that the joy kind of transcends the sorrow and i think that's a really beautiful picture for us i mean if you've ever been down that road or you've been with someone going down that road i mean I always remember when they handed the baby to me and I placed it beside Anna, every time, tears of joy, every time. Just this marvelous thing. She walked through this long process and uh, it, it, it just, when she saw that child, everything changed. And, and maybe you've seen that or experienced that. So I want you to kind of think about that. And then I, I want you just to see that that kind of aspect here where he says, it will never be taken away. Like, The sorrow, the sorrow of that is gone. Like now, you're living in the joy of it. It it will never be taken away. Now, I want you to also note, look at verse 23 and 24. And this is something that you you and I need to kind of see. I mean, if we're going to put this into really thinking about what's going on here. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask in the... uh, you ask of the father in my name he will give it to you until now you've asked nothing in my name asking you will receive that your joy may be full now here's the thing what's that saying that is saying that you're going to have access you remember at the cross when jesus died the veil of the temple was torn in two what was that saying you have access you've been brought in you're in the family now like everything, the, the, what the son has with the father, I, I mean, we have to be careful on how we say that, but I, I think that intimacy is now yours. Is that better than what it was before? That, that's kind of what you have to stop. Is that better? Is that a greater thing? It, of course it is. There, there's a greater level of intimacy on display here. Now here's what... If you've never maybe read, spent a lot of time in Romans, there's a place there in Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. What's he saying? We have access now. He's brought us in. We get to experience now this relationship that we hadn't had before. Uh, Sometimes when you're a child, or many of you uh, may or may not have been taught this way, but you would pray uh, some prayer, and then you would say, and and at the end, say, in Jesus' name. Say, in Jesus' name. What were we saying to them? We're saying, like, because we're united to him, we have access to the throne of grace. That's why we taught them that. Something the Bible says you've got to pray, you know, put that at the end of each thing, I guess. You, you wouldn't say, oh, you've got to say that at the end. But what we're saying is, it's like, look, we have access now. The Son has access to the Father. We are united to Him. We have access to the Father. And we have that through Him. We're reminding ourselves of that reality. We can, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace and find mercy in our time of need. So... Keep moving through. So the disciples are filled with sorrow because Jesus is leaving, but he promises the Spirit. Then the disciples, Jesus says, their sorrow will turn to joy as they, I think, certainly get a glimpse by the resurrection, experience at Pentecost the working of the Spirit in them, and even look forward to the future when Jesus returns. But I think probably the emphasis there is on when they experience the fullness of the spirit uh, working in their hearts. But now the third aspect here, Jesus promises his disciples trouble, but they are to take heart because he has overcome the world. Now I want you to see something. I had y'all do this. If you did the study guide, we ask you to mark every reference to father in, in these last verses, 25 through 33. And I would say, and the pronouns to the Father. I've been, I was in Ecuador, you know, just a couple of weeks ago. And there I was like working with these people to help them understand uh, the Bible and be able to read it better. And one of the things that, you know, we do is say, hey, repetition, repetition is, is critical. If you want to understand that repeated things are very important. Why do we have the Father mentioned so many times here? Why does he just keep saying the Father, the Father, the Father? What's he doing? How's he trying? What's he trying to teach us? And that's again one of those things that just kind of helps you see. Uh, he, Jesus says, "I'm going to speak to you plainly about the Father. In that day, you will ask in my name, and I, I uh, and I do not say to you that I will ask the Father on your behalf." Again, showing this new relationship. It, it, for the Father Himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. So those who trust in Jesus have this relationship with the Father that they did not have prior to him going to the cross, being resurrected, ascending into heaven. There was something missing there as far as intimacy. There was a lack of ability to enter into the Holy of Holies. But now you've got you're in. You get to go in. You're, you're you're experiencing that ability to call out to the Father as your Father. You you can enter in. You have access to the Father now. He says, I came from the Father and have come into the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. But it's almost like saying, but don't have any fear of that. You are going to have this relationship you never had before with the Father because I'm going to give you that access by the work that I'm going to accomplish on your behalf. The disciples say, oh, now we know you came from God. He says, do you now believe uh, behold, the, the hour is coming, indeed it's come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and leave me alone. The, these disciples say, oh yeah, we got it now, we're good. Like, hey, this is all come, coming down. I mean, it's going to be good. We're going to follow you. You're going to lead us to the Father. You're going to give us access, all that stuff. And he's saying, no, you really don't understand. You're going to be still like kind of living this fearful life until this radical change takes place. So he says to them, I've said these things to you that in me you have, may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. So Jesus is saying to them, this relationship change is going to radically change everything for you. It hasn't taken place yet. That father-son relationship and all the rights and privileges of being a son. That hasn't taken place yet. But you are about to be adopted in. Galatians 4 says. But when the fullness of time had come. God sent forth the son. Born of a woman. Born under the law. To redeem those who are under the law. So that they might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons. God has sent the spirit of his son. Into your hearts. Crying Abba Father. Now the Spirit's working in you. You can actually call out to God. Those who have been born of God love the Father, and they're loved by Him. They overcome because they trust in Him. So when you think about the disciples today, you're looking at it, Jesus says, your sorrow is, 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 is blinding you, kind of. And I'm going to send the Spirit, and your sorrow is going to go from sorrow to joy. And then He says, like, you're going to face trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world, like... And as a result, you, you get to experience what you've never experienced before. Some of you here today really do, I think, might look at things and say, if only this, if only Jesus was here, if only he could answer this for me, if only I could have uh, the strength that, um, that, 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 I, that I want to have, if only. you got all these things. And I would say to you, the disciples were not better off than you the disciples pre-Jesus dying on the cross were in worse shape than you are. After all that went down and Christ was crucified, buried, rose again, ascends into heaven and sends the spirit, the disciples are radically changed. I mean, their lives are radically changed. There's courage, there's insight, there's ability to, to do the unimaginable like things that they were able to do question kind of is for us I think today is do we believe that's true that that Christ could do with us things that just are absolutely like unbelievable do you believe you have this unbelievable access do you believe you have this unbelievable intimacy do you believe that you have this unbelievable power Do you believe that you should have such joy that it transcends any sorrow that you could ever imagine? Do you really believe it? When those guys began to understand that, walk by that, walk in the Spirit, I guess you could say, the world was shaken. And it should be that way with us. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would give us the greater amazement of the benefits of this salvation that we presently possess. We are empowered by the Spirit. We are given wisdom. We have the body of teaching before us. We have the witness of the apostles lives that were radically reshaped. When the spirit came. And we know. That you say all those who. Believe in Christ. Have the spirit. And therefore Lord we want to be a people that walk in the power of the spirit. In such a way. That even though we will face trouble, we know that we will overcome and that we can be used to bless others in very profound ways. We pray that you would use our church in that way. That others would believe that people who are in darkness would come to the light. That people would believe and follow Jesus and that would be just overwhelming us. Uh, As we look at the great, great things that you do. In Christ's name. Amen.